is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! Oh, a wonderful strike! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. When you come from Portsmouth and live in Portsmouth, you grow up wanting to play for Portsmouth. If I can lead the boys to success and lead the team out, that would be a real dream come true. Action and reaction. Such a massive club. I'm so, so happy to be a part of this, this journey and hopefully get this club to the next level and where it wants to be. Giving Pompey fans a voice. That's what makes this football club so special is the fans. I'm not a Portsmouth fan, but I'm an adopted one now. I love this football club. This is the Football Hour. Fans' interest in this division peaked a lot long time ago and it's stagnating. We've got to get out of this division and into the championship. Pompey's seven-game winning streak comes to an end at the Abbey Stadium. Kamara on the left-hand side for Portsmouth to break into the penalty area cross. It is hit the post and it's going to be put in. No! Bishop is denied and it's behind for a corner kick. Abu Kamara with the best chance of the game which ended goalless on Tuesday night as Pompey and Cambridge play out a 0-0 draw in League One. However, the Blues do remain unbeaten this season and top of the division and the midweek stalemate marked back-to-back clean sheets for them. We'll gather some thoughts from Tuesday's game, including those of former youth keeper Will Norris. They needed a reaction. They've had a few difficult results and uh, it was very much a case of, you know, they were energetic, they were enthusiastic, they had something to fight for, the point to prove. Between now and seven, we're also going to catch up with Pompey fan and regular guest Andrew Barnard, finding out what superstition he's kept going this season to try and help the Blues to promotion come the end of it. Oh, I like this idea. I'll wear the kit of the last time we beat today's opposition in that stadium. And, uh, well, yeah, so far this season, it's, uh, it's going rather well. And there's a big game to preview this evening too. We'll later look ahead to tomorrow's meeting with Reading. Head coach John Massino says he won't be distracted by possible off-field problems going on with their next opponent. We're not going to be naive and pretend that nothing's going on whatsoever, but also the other 99% is fully focused on what's going to actually happen on the pitch, and that's the most important thing for us. A full look into the Blues' first meeting with the Royals in over a decade to come on the show tonight, and we also want to hear from you over the course of the hour too. It's 81400 on the text, starting your messages with the word express. Otherwise, you can email sport at expressfm.com, include at expressfm on Twitter, or visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. You join us here on this Friday evening for the latest instalment of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. A very good evening and welcome to the weekend here on Express FM. You join us here on this Friday night for the latest chapter of the Football Hour brought to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South, providing reliable and affordable bus services through Portsmouth and along the South Coast. On the way this evening, we'll go through all things Pompey, including Tuesday's game at Cambridge, tomorrow's trip to Reading, and we'll also find out where the Portsmouth women are playing this weekend as well. And to kick things off tonight, we take you back to the Abbey Stadium where John Massino made three changes to the side which secured a 1-0 win over Carlisle at Fratton Park just three days prior. Zach Swanson, Conor Ogilvy and Tino Andrin came into the side replacing Joe Rafferty, Jack Sparks and Christian Sadie. Andy Moon and Guy Whittingham were on hand to call the shots at the Abbey. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shooting scores! 90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He scores! This is... You wouldn't believe it! Pompey Live. But here we go. Pompey looking to continue this 
Remarkable run of form. Keep that position at the top of the table. Kamara on the left-hand side for Porto to break into the penalty area. Cross is hit the post and it's going to be put in. No, Bishop is denied and it's behind for a corner kick. Right-footed corner kick comes in underneath the crossbar again. Palmed away by Stevens, loose in the six-yard box and it's deflected wide. I think it's shot to see who's yeah, hit it and it's been blocked at another corner. And the whistle goes and Portsmouth end the half with six shots to Cambridge's one. 61 to 39 possession. It has been Portsmouth's half. It's not been domination, it's not been emphatic, and the two chances Tompey have had have been denied by excellent bits of defending. Long clearance by Norris. Lane has flicked that on to Bishop. Oh, and Pompey could be in behind here, and it's face for Swanson, and a chance for Swanson! Saved, and it's going to be cleared away. Janna trying to drive forward, cross into the middle. It's a poor clearance, and Cambridge should score, but Norris saves, and it'll be cleared away. That's a golden opportunity for the home side, straight at Norris. Alex Robertson to deliver a right-footed in-swing. No one at the near post for Pompey. Sparks is saying, I'm there if you want it. Robertson saying, let's just send it in towards the far post. Heads go up, headed back up to goal, clawed away. Bishop again, well blocked. And that is the final action here at the Abbey Stadium. And Portsmouth's winning run has come to an end. They've been held nil-nil by Cambridge United. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. There we go then, the highlights from Tuesday's game as Cambridge United and Pompey played out a goalless draw at the Abbey Stadium in midweek. And that wasn't the only League One match to take place on Tuesday night. There were plenty of games going on. In fact, all 24 sides in action. Elsewhere, Barnsley 3-0 winners over Shrewsbury Town. Blackpool securing a 3-2 victory at home to Cheltenham. Bristol Rovers and Stevenage playing, a one out, playing out a one-all draw at the Memorial Stadium. And since that game... Manager Joey Barton has been relieved of his duties. Cambridge United, of course, 0-0 with Pompey. Carlisle 2, Burton Albion 1. Derby County 2, Exeter City 0. Lincoln City 3, Charlton Athletic 1. Northampton 2, Leighton Orient 2. Port Vale 0, Peterborough 1. Wigan Athletic 2, Oxford United 0. Wickham 2, Bolton 4 and tomorrow's opponents, Reading, suffering defeat yet again for the fifth time in a row. 2-1 defeat at home to Fleetwood Town, who scored in the 93rd minute in front of 111 travelling fans at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. We'll come on to preview that game a little later on. But I'm pleased to say that joining me in the studio tonight, I've got two more Pompey fans ready to go through all of Tuesday's action. Not that there's really a lot of it. And, of course, preview the weekend's game first and foremost, scraping right at the bottom of the barrel, Mr Brooks Medley. Brooke, welcome. Hello, Jake. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. I'm only joking. You're not at the bottom of the barrel. I'm more at the side. Yeah, three quarters of the way down. Yeah. Um, now, nah, good to have you. Um, Tuesday's nil-nil draw at Cambridge, of course, marked um, the end of Pompey's winning streak after seven consecutive victories in a row, six being in the league, of course. Um, what did you make overall of Tuesday's game? Is that one to be concerned about or potentially one not to think too much? I certainly think there are points that would need quite radical improvement mm -hmm. it seems that we got ourselves into a little bit of a rut where we was unable to break down a side that wasn't going to come out and attack us um, which is what we saw in the earlier part of the season but I'm sure there's some things that even Messini I wouldn't have been happy about with that performance Yeah, and alongside myself and Britt this evening uh, at Hancock Analysis Jack Hancock uh, otherwise known Jack great to have you on the show tonight 
Yeah, no, Brooke isn't the, uh, the the true bottom of the barrel. That'd be that'd be me. I'm I'm truly bottom. We um, have searched far and low for you both. Yeah, very low actually. Very very low. <laughs> really low. No, great. It is great to have you both on the show tonight. Something that was um, requested, I believe. I think lobbied would be the word. Lobbied, yeah. yeah a campaign. Bartered. Yeah. But you're here, and uh, hopefully we can uh, make a good evening of it. Uh, Jack, look, a, a, a point is still a point on, on Tuesday night. Oxford United lost as well, so albeit a goal of straw for Pompey, maybe in previous campaigns you come away from the Abbey Stadium feeling a bit frustrated not to have got the win, but actually the Blues extend their lead at the top of the table anyway. A four-point cushion to Oxford United, um, albeit with a game in hand. Yeah, no, the result is uh, the result is fine. I think I tweeted it out uh, full-time. The result is fine. It's that word you use, frustrated. For me, it was the um, the lack of change in terms of structure and, and uh, patterns, which really annoyed me. Um, I think that was mainly contributed by the injury of Conor Ogilvy coming off quite early. It seemed that, you know, they wanted to play quite deep with a, a 3-2-5, which is fine normally, but when you then replace him with Jack Sparks, who it's not his best area in the on the outside of a back three, that's where it kind of falls down a little bit for me. But overall, it was a, it was a fine point that needs to be uh, backed up and improved upon on Saturday. Yeah, these things are going to happen, Brooke. We've had a, such a, a fantastic start to the campaign that you, you get to a game like um, Cambridge on Tuesday where we're, we're, we're sat here maybe a bit deflated after a nil-nil draw. But in fact, given that the host response to losing to Cheltenham just a few days prior, they obviously wanted some kind of reaction. They got it. They held the league leaders to a goalless draw on, on home soil. To them, that's a fantastic point. So it, maybe in some respect, we can feel a little bit lucky we haven't come away from that with our first defeat of the season. Yeah, of course. I mean, they they was always wanting to get a little bit of, what's the word, sort of camaraderie with the team again after coming such a, a heavy sort of defeat. Uh, on the Saturday they was always going to come out and try and just scrape what they can I mean we're quite fortunate that given the run of form we've been on prior to this point that draw doesn't look too bad if we was on say three or four losses then you'd come away going terrible need to be doing better there And looking at the League One table, we referenced it just a moment ago. Pompey with that four-point buffer on second place, Oxford United. The Blues on 32 points after 14 matches. Oxford on 28 after 13 matches. So a game in hand. But even hypothetically, if they win that, they're still a point behind Pompey at the top of the table. In the playoff places, Barnsley remain third with 26 on the board. Bolton, Peterborough and Blackpool make up the remaining uh, of those top six sides. Down at the bottom, Cheltenham still Rooted to the foot of the table. They suffered defeat again in midweek. Reading, tomorrow's opponents in second bottom, 23rd position. They've lost their last four, including Tuesday's visit of Fleetwood at the Select Harley Leasing Stadium. They're on six points after a four-point deduction. Even with those points added on, they would still be in 23rd place. Fleetwood and Wigan make up the remaining sides in that drop zone as things stand. Carlisle United and Northampton just outside on 14 points. Plenty of campaign remaining, of course, for any side to, to turn their fortunes around. And Cambridge on Tuesday, Jack... We saw they had such a, a a great start to the season. In fact, at one stage, they were in the top six. And maybe some were thinking, but if, if there was going to be a dark horse, it might have been Mark, Mark Bonner's side. Suffered a little bit of a dip in form recently, of course. What, what would you take from their performance, not just on Tuesday night, but maybe from what you've seen this season? Are they a side to be maybe worried about? Or do you think that maybe, like last season, great start to the campaign, petered off a little bit towards the end? I think they've had a few good starts in recent years, haven't they? League One campaigns, which is, is great for them. But... Uh... I think long term, I think they'll be fine in the division because they've got a very, a very capable manager in, in Mark Bonner. 
and yeah they came out with a lot of intensity but not just intensity it was there was a lot of skill in there as well and there were some nice touches they've got some uh, some favorite players of mine jack lancaster uh one that gasana had me who i'm a big fan of actually i won't lie and i get a lot of stick for it on twitter but i'll, I'll live and die by the gasan um yeah they got some good players they should be fine even though i did tip them for to just be relegated at the beginning of the season live and die by the gasan Brooke, what, what, what would you make of Gassan Hadmi's uh, b- performance on Tuesday night? Didn't really have the greatest of spells at Fretton Park. We know that had a fantastic pre-season under Danny Cowley, that hat-trick that happened, happened to Waterlooville. No goals in the just five appearances he made before, of course, moving on to Burton Albion. Was was he a player you were really threatened by in midweek? I think he he was a little bit lacklustre, to say the least. Um, there was spells where I think he did give our defence a little bit of a... A bullying, so to speak. He was quite rough and ready in his approach. He knew that he was going to be the man to win the flick-ons, you know, divert off the defenders so that the the 10 or whoever was partnering him could pick him up. But I think between uh, Paul and Shocknessy, they, they covered him quite well. Let's get some reaction from um, Will Norris now, the Pompey goalkeeper. He's been speaking this week to our very own Matt Drabble, who's been looking ahead to tomorrow's visit to Reading, but he also starts off by reflecting on Tuesday's 0-0 draw against his former club. Uh, it was a good point, I think, um, having uh, reflected on it for, for a couple of days now. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, they, like I said, they needed a reaction. Um, they've had a few difficult results and... Uh, and, and yeah, no, it was um, it was very much a case of you know they were energetic, they were enthusiastic, they had something to fight for, a bit of a, bit of a point to prove. And, and yeah, no, it's um, it's always sort of nice going back somewhere that you know I've certainly have fond memories of. Three clean sheets in the last four after none in the previous seven. Do you think anything's changed from a defensive perspective over those last four games? Um, not necessarily changed. I think that you know you can go through spells where you know you have three or four on the spin, and then you go through a spell where it's 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 the opposite, and you and you do sort of leak goals maybe. But you know you, we're always sort of looking looking internally. We're not sort of looking at you know looking at a case of pointing fingers or you know we'll, we'll take responsibility and and you know look for the next one. But as long as we're sort of we're not. You know, giving away, giving up too many big chances. Like if, if it was, if we were keeping clean sheets and we were giving up five or six big chances a game, then that's almost, you know, that's almost worse than, you know, not keeping a clean sheet and only giving up one chance. It's just, it's, it's, it's one of them. You know, you just have to keep looking forward to the next game. The unbeaten run has been well documented. Does that add any pressure as a goalkeeper? Do you feel a sense of something extra to protect? Um, not necessarily. I think you know, it's you're going into a game with the um, like the obviously the the aim to win so you know and if you're not going to win just don't lose but it's, it's one of them you know there's no real sort of you know pressure of of having to keep that intact because it'll go one day and you know that'll be it and you start again and you go again for the next game Speaking of that run and, and the side's performance this season have the aspirations changed at all for yourself and for the club or are they exactly where they were when you when you arrived here in the summer? Yeah, no, uh, my aspirations certainly haven't changed. You know, I think the club's aspirations certainly haven't changed. They've got, um, you know, we've all got our own individual and collective objectives um, and everyone's working hard to uh, to achieve them. So, yeah, I don't think there's been any change at all. The relationship with Regan Paul and Connor Shocklessy seems a strong one. How's that developed since you arrived? Yeah, it's good because obviously we're all new players in the summer. Not necessarily took time to gel because, you know, we've, we've we've started well. and But, you know, they're, they're, they're real good lads and they're like top professionals and they do things right and they're they're very both very good players as well so you know it's 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 nice to have the luxury of having good players in front of you 
Only eight goals conceded this season, seven clean sheets. With the bar already so high as a defensive unit, how do you keep progressing looking forward? I think just look forward to the next game, keep doing what we've been doing. I think that, you know, progression can happen over time. And if, you know, if, if we've set our standards this high, I think our objective is to maintain these high standards throughout 46 games. And if we do that, we'll have a, we'll have a good chance. And your expectations for Reading this Saturday, another tough game, no doubt, with everything going on with that club at the moment? Yeah, no, they're a good club. You know, they're pretty much a championship team and spent a lot of time in the Premier League as well. And, you know, they're a club that shouldn't be where they are. But, you know, everyone has to go through that period at some point. It is, it is what it is. You know, we don't have to... We're not going to look too much into that. We've just got to turn up on Saturday and get the three points. Matt Drabble there speaking to Pompey shot stopper Will Norris at the Blues training ground yesterday afternoon. We'll come on to further preview the trip to Reading a little later on in tonight's show. Brooke, we just heard from uh, from Will Norris there. Uh, quite an influential figure so far this season. Received a, a bit of criticism at the start of the campaign, mainly from Peterborough fans when he signed um, back, in the, back in the pre-season. What have you made of his start to life in blue or in yellow or black or whatever sort of goalkeeping kit he plays for? Um, very important save at the Abbey on Tuesday and a crucial one at the last minute against Carlisle last Saturday too. He's not done a foot wrong, has he? No. As, I mean, you do expect that playing the style of play that we we do, that there will be situations where the goalkeeper will come under pressure, um, maybe by a mistake of his own or by a mistake from someone in front of him. But touch wood, that's not happened as of yet to my knowledge. Um, the fact that we're sitting here saying that there is no standout moments, then you'd assume that he's been pretty solid so far Will Norris of course solid then Jack also has got a lot of, lot of thanks of course to the for defence in front of him after the break we're going to talk about the, the changes that John Massino made on Tuesday night with the full backs but in terms of Regan Paul and Connor Shocknessy I don't think perhaps Will Norris could ask for a better centre back partnership in front of him I mean, maybe like Ruben Diaz and John Stones. That well, would that'd be right. probably better. Realistically. But, uh, but no, in, the, in, this, uh, in this division, I remember Gab Sutton put out a tweet the other day saying, yeah, does your club have one of the best centre-backs in the division? And I said, yeah, we've got two of them. I mean, Regan Paul, we all kind of knew he'd be top class, but Connor Shocknessy is just unreal. Like I, I didn't see it coming. I, when I put out my initial thread when he signed, I said he'd be a squad player who might even fill in in midfield if we need him to. But he's similar to Norris, actually. He's completely exceeded my expectations. And... It's imperious is the word I like to use with uh, with Connor. Imperious. Love it. Lads, hold tight. We'll be back with you both in just a few moments' time. And after the break, we're also going to hear the pre-match thoughts of head coach John Massino, again speaking to Matt Drabble. First asked if the run recently that Pompey have been on has changed his opinion on what can be achieved this season. The run that we've been on has, uh, I suppose, sort of strengthened our resolve in terms of making sure that we're, we're tough to beat. And one of the most pleasing things about it is that, obviously, prior to Tuesday night, we'd won seven games in a row. We're probably maybe slightly ahead of where we thought we'd be but um, you know we're not sitting there thinking that we first of all don't deserve it and we've still got huge amounts of, of time left in the season a huge amount of work to do hear more from the Blues head coach there as well as myself Jake Smith here in the hot seat with Brooks Bedley and Jack Hancock opposite me in the studio this evening when the football hour returns after this short break this is the football hour on Express FM go by bus go greener with Stagecoach next stop a cleaner greener future did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour 
on Express FM. Welcome back to 93.7 Express FM, where you join us here on this Friday evening for the Football Hour, which is driven to you by Stagecoach South. Download the app on your iOS or Android device to view updated timetable information, prepay for your ticket and more. So far tonight, we've gone through a bit of reaction from Tuesday's goalless draw between Pompey and Cambridge United. We've heard from Will Norris and later on, we're also going to be hearing from the likes of John Massinho and Andrew Barnard as well. But first, let's head over to the emails where Linda has got in touch tonight saying it wasn't the win on Tuesday everyone wanted, but we got a point. We have to be realistic that we are not going to win every single game and blow teams away. We are top of the table and teams below us want to beat the top of the table no matter where they are in the division. But who knows, that point could be very important at the end of the season. Also, that point with Oxford, Oxford losing was precious to pull away from them. Play up Pompey Linda on the emails there. And Jack, we were, we were talking about the break and obviously we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the the sort of events of Tuesday's game. But when you look at it, a, a point at Cambridge, whilst we are a little bit flat to have got it and we would have liked to get the win. Linda is perhaps spot on. You can't win every game. Sometimes you do have to be a bit realistic and Cambridge went into the match with their own plan, their own their own mindset, their own factors behind it as well. And maybe it's one that, that Pompey go ahead and, as, as you mentioned, they learn from a few things, but maybe they got wrong on Tuesday night. For you, what, what kind of learnings do you think John Massinho has to take away from that one? I think uh, it's a tough one because I'm uh, I'm not John Massino and I'm nowhere near as clever as him. I think just I thought you were. Well, you um, know, I don't yeah. say that publicly, but um, <laughs> I think just being a bit more adaptable in game, and that's weird because normally with John, I'm very um, very I give him a lot of praise for his in game changes, but I think we just didn't really change much on a uh, on on Tuesday, and that was that was a concern for me because it was pretty obvious that we need to change something. Uh, I suggested a few changes that I won't bore your listeners to too much, but. Um, but yeah, it's just very, very stale after after a while, and that was that was that was a bit annoying to be honest. But like as we said, I think it was off air. If you offered us how many is it, ten wins and four draws, whatever it is at this point in the season, mm. you'd absolutely take it. So, you know, it draws a draw in it, clean sheet, yeah, good confidence, good momentum into uh, into Saturday. Jack talks about changes there, Brooke. Do you think maybe Cassini Yengi came on a little bit too late in that game to try and find a winner? Eighty-eight minutes on the clock. Do you think maybe he could have made a bit more of an impact? I don't know, maybe even ten minutes prior to that. I think 10 minutes minimum would have been the the best option. Um, it's a tricky one because although uh, Kamara started off quite slow into the game, I think he really did grow into it. I think it was one of his, although he didn't contribute in other ways, I think he was one of his better games for us. Um, but yeah, a bit of fresh legs. Yengi seems to be biting at every opportunity he can to get on the pitch. So I think maybe coming on 78, 75th minute mark, that would have been much better. Must be difficult as a as as a manager or a head coach, Jack, when you go into games like that on Tuesday with Cambridge fully up for it. Pompey, of course, wanting to get the win, but I guess in the in the back of the players' minds, perhaps even John Massino's as well, wanting to protect not only their status at the top of League One, their unbeaten run, this fantastic record they've got at the moment, and you know with the likes of Sully Kaika on Tuesday night to name one, but of, of, of just a few who were causing that backline a bit of problems. Do you think at any stage, maybe without truly admitting it, there was a time in the game where they just wanted to come away from that one unscathed? You know, not, John Massino talks about the way that they do attack going forward and they leave gaps in defence. Do you think Tuesday night was an example of just wanting to come away from that without defeat? Yeah, I mean, you know, Cambridge might not have the, the highest league position. I'm not quite sure what it is, but they've got a good attack. As we said, you know, Sully Kai Kai, Gaston Ahadmi, Jack Lancaster, um, oh, Jane, I think his name is. Mm. 
Okinabahiri, I think. Fajiri Okinabahiri. That one, what he said. And yeah, you know, it's when you put it into context, if we win on Saturday or tomorrow, I keep saying Saturday because I can't get my dates right, and an Oxford lose, which they well could well do against a pretty solid Wickham side, that's us seven points clear. So I think, you know, there was probably... I don't think there was much of an overreaction, actually, which is quite refreshing because in, in yesteryear you would have seen people absolutely pulling their arrow over a 0-0 <laughs> a draw away from Cambridge. But it's not the end of the world. We can go seven points clear, and, and that's the important thing for now. Do you think the... As, as Jack's alluded to there, Brooke, do you think that the the lack of an overreaction to the draw on Tuesday says a lot about the work that, that John Senior has done this season and, of course, stretching back to the last campaign as well and, and having that safety buffer at the moment at the top of League One, these un, this unbeaten run, and the, and the knowledge that the fans have got that on their day this team can put sides to bed. Do you think that he's sort of earned that right to maybe come away from some matches like on Tuesday where you are a bit frustrated not to get the win and actually earned the right to be able to have that in the bank <laughs> to not get that overreaction I mean I don't know about you but I thought it was a really good way to draw um, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean the the it's a little bit disappointing not to see an, an outcry after a nil-nil draw at Cambridge away on a Tuesday night they're, they're, they're usually the entertaining readings when you're scrolling through Twitter that's Twitter arguments for you Brooke isn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's um it's, it's certainly uh, a pleasure to be in this position where we can have them scrappy games and uh managed to still look on the positives off the back of it mm. great to be unbeaten Jack 25 now stretching back to March and, and again something we were talking about in the ad break that defeat will come and that's not be, me being pessimistic but I just don't think we're going to go a whole 46 game season unbeaten um, that defeat will come and, and one of the strongest things that we could t- take away from after that defeat whenever it may be will be how the sides react to it yeah, I mean, when you look at the kind of the mental profile of the squad, I can't see us. I don't want to jinx it. Let's cross all of our fingers, guys. Uh, I can't see us, you know, falling off a cliff and losing eight in a row, for example. I, I feel bad for saying that now because it's definitely going to happen. But if you look at characters like Regan Poole, Will Norris, uh, Colby Bishop, Marlon Pack, other footballers, they're all so strong mentally and so positive. I remember after the Barnsley game, um, when Max was going around with the camera on the pitch, you had Regan Paul shouting at minimum lads, minimum now. And and it's those sort of things where you go, Yeah, the standards aren't gonna drop, the heads aren't gonna drop and and look, if you offer me one loss by mid November, I'd absolutely take it. So yeah, I mean it, it's not the end of the world. I do hope you haven't jinxed anything, Jack, because it it's was just a game. It, it's just a game, it doesn't matter. It's just a game. It was around about this time last year that that really horrible run of, of one win in, what, 15 games under Danny Cowley happened, of course, until um, he was dismissed and Simon Bassett took over for a couple of matches before John Messino came in, and, and a great stat as well, that at the moment Pompey on 32 points in League One um, is around about the same as what Pompey were on when John Messino took over in January. Um, that says a lot about the work, but of course he has done so far since arriving. Right, we're going to get more reaction from Jack and Brooke in just a few moments' time as we also come on to preview tomorrow's trip to the Select Car Leasing Stadium, or the Madstad, as I'm sure a lot of you, um, perhaps nostalgic football fans, will remember Reading Stadium name. We'll come on to preview that game later on. But first of all, we're going to hear from... Barney, Andrew Barnard from 4 0, written all over it. Now, he's had this superstition, but he's carried over from, well, actually, the start of last season into this campaign. And we've all got our superstitions. And actually, if, you, if you've got one, let us know what it is. 81400 on the text. Start your messages with the word express. You can email sport at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm or go to facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Let us know what kind of superstitions you've got that make you think that 
in, in completing them, Pompey are going to go unbeaten and win everything. Because Andrew Barnard's got one, and I called him earlier in the week to talk about it and really speak about how the idea first came about. Yeah, it came about from, uh, I think, last season, the Cup away last season away at Cardiff. Decided to wear the last kit we wore when we'd last beaten Cardiff. Uh, we had a very good result that day, 3-0 away win, if I remember rightly. And that put a sort of a bit of a superstition in my mind. Oh, I like this idea. I'll wear the kit of the last time we beat today's opposition in that stadium. And, uh, well, yeah, so far this season, it's, uh, it's going rather well. So far, then, it's working. Do you have a shirt lined up for Reading away this weekend? Go on. Give us an inside info in, into what Pompey kit in your eyes stands out when you think of the game against Reading. Well, the last time we won at the Majeski was uh, 2008. So it's the black Canterbury away kit from the same season that we won the FA Cup. Oh, okay. Now, now that one's a corker. Yeah, it is a nice kit, to be fair. Yeah, one of my favourites. Now, long may this continue. It, it's great to see it week in, week out on social media, what shirt you've decided to wear for the next game. But do you even have enough ones to carry on until the end of the season? Or do we need to start a fundraiser or something? <laughs> well, i tell you what, the only one I'm struggling with is Chesterfield. I've had to order it because the last time we played in Chesterfield, we didn't actually win. So I'm already breaking my rule. Um, we've only ever played there at this ground once and drawn. But I didn't have that Sondico kit, so I've had to buy that on eBay. Well, well that one did nil-nil, didn't it? It was nil-nil, but the last time we won in Chesterfield was 1983. So uh, I definitely do not own that kit because it's a red away kit as well. So uh, I do not own that one, I'm afraid. You, you mentioned there you're not going to be wearing a red one. What's the situation there then? Pompey have had plenty of red and, and red and black kits down the years. Will we not be seeing you in either of those? I, I'm not the biggest fan of red kits in general anyway. Um, I wouldn't go against it. I actually quite like some of the classic red and black sort of half and half kits we've had. They're sort of almost like Joker-esque kits. Um, I actually think they're, they're great kits, but the all red, uh, it's, it's not a colour for me. It just reminds me of uh, some sort of other team that I'm uh, not such a fan of. While we're here then, Barney, and on the topic of classic Pompey strips, in your opinion, what's up there with one of your favourite Pompey kits from down the years, whether that's because you like the look of it or just because it holds the fondest memories for you? I think there's probably two that stand in my memory. Um, there's the, the blue Canterbury home kit from the year we won the FA Cup. I think that's always going to be synonymous with probably one of the greatest days in the club's history, especially in the recent era and just about every fan that's alive's memory is going to remember that day. Um, I also have a real fond spot for two of the Nike home kits as well. Um, the first one that we won at Wembley um, against Sunderland, that's that's pretty special. I got papped that day by uh, a certain local newspaper in that, so I've got a pretty solid picture of me in that. But also I like the one with the collar, um, the sort of bit that had the kind of triangular pattern on the shirt. I'm a real fan of that one. I love a collared kit. So uh, that's that's probably right up there for me, Those one of those three. And finally then, Barney, Reading away this weekend. It'd be rude not to get your thoughts on the game too. Your score prediction and how you think this one's going to go. Yeah, I think that we're, we're looking like you can see some injuries coming in. Um, squad under a bit of pressure from a fair few Sunday, Tuesdays. Um, I, I think we'll win because it looks like um, a lot of the pressure on, on Reading front and back office seems to really be hitting them now. Sounds like there's going to be all sorts of protests this weekend. So I think that kind of... Uh, cloud over the club might mean their performance isn't as good as ours and I think uh, Massini will be clever enough to say right let's take advantage of this I see us coming away with a good 2 or 3 nil. Andrew Barnard there speaking about superstitions 
we all like a good superstition, don't we? And and it's 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 what a lot of us actually pride ourselves on when our team wins a game. And I'm sure plenty of you out there have got superstitions. Um, mine used to be, and quite admittedly not anymore. Uh, mine used to be having to make sure the bed was made every morning before going out to, to going out and watching Pompey. Um, don't really have one anymore apart from that. Jack Hancock, any any pre-match superstitions or rituals that you carry out at all? Um, I have two pints and already feel leathered. So that's my superstition. Um, but yeah, I, I guess just going to the brewery before the game and, and seeing people. I don't like being unhappy before games. If I'm unhappy, I feel like we're going to lose and, and we tend to lose. So if, if you're positive, you manifest the win. Um, that seems to be the way forward. Just be happy, be positive. Expert analysis, we tend to lose coming from Jack Hancock. Haven't lost since March, of course, Pompey, by the way. <laughs> I've never been unhappy since we started, you know, not losing. So it, it, it's a positive correlation. It does, and, and winning, of course, does have that feeling on on fans. It's not, it is not just a game. There's a lot more to it. Um, Brooke, any any superstitions? I think you said during during my interview, you didn't really have any. Yeah, I wouldn't really say I got any superstitions. Maybe more routine. The routine's pretty uh, similar on match day. Hmm. Sort of same time, get picked up, same parking space, same walk, same stuff. I mean, if it's working, we carry it on, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it turns out all three of us are boring. <laughs> if you've got any superstitions back home, let us know. Uh, big thank you to Andrew Barnard there speaking to me yesterday evening. And a big thank you as well for, for sticking with me because halfway through that interview, my Chinese takeaway arrived and had to go and answer the door. So that's brilliant. Cheers, Barney. Uh, right, let's come on to preview tomorrow's game at, at Reading, of course. Then, lads, um, we'll start off with you, Brooke. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room. That is Reading's off-field issues. Four points deducted this season due to um, a whole host of things. Financial trouble. We'll, we'll, we'll categorise it under that. Um, if we had to sit here and really go through the, the, the deep analysis of why they're in trouble, then we'd quite literally be here all hour. Um, but they've, they've got some financial issues, which have stemmed back for, of course, since last season. Now, there are more threats potentially in, in the later stages of the campaign from the EFL that may, more points may be deducted. Um, there is a planned protest tomorrow, leading from the city centre to the Majeski Stadium, now the select car leasing stadium. Um, and in previous matches at home, Reading fans have been throwing tennis balls onto the pitch. Something that I'm sure the Pompey players and John Bassinio will have to put in the back of their minds and ensure doesn't distract them too much from their main course, which is, of course, trying to win. Yeah, I mean, it's only a mere 100 million debt. Nothing dropping the Not ocean, really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Um it's it's really terrible to say, but it's going to sound like it is going to be written in the stars where that's going to be our first loss comes from, isn't it? Mm. It's there sort of the the turning of the chapter where the fans are sort of revolting away. They'll probably get a win on the pitch and then it will be right as rain. We're off again. But yeah, tennis balls, crazy. I mean, or, or like yeah. a sorry, just a button like a Darren Bent esque goal where it, the you know they shoot and it comes off a tennis ball and and that's how we uh, that's how we lose our first loss of the season. I mean, it does uh, it does sort of go part and parcel because I am going to do a Boris Becker impersonation tomorrow. <laughs> um, and, and and that is something, of course, as we, as we mentioned there, Jack Pompey have got to try and put it in the back of their minds and ensure it doesn't distract them from from the game. In terms of what we've seen on social media and the build up to this one, a lot of Pompey fans maybe not too sympathetic, shall we say, with the uh, with the Reading supporters, and you could potentially understand why. Look, none of us want to see a club go under. None of us want to see that, and we we do hope that that Reading pull themselves out of this, like with Wigan and like with any single club. I wouldn't even wish it on them down the road because otherwise we just wouldn't have a rivalry. But we all have 
quite clear memories from 2011, 2012, when Pompey were going through their issues. And you had the likes of Reading fans and, and, and other supporters, insert name here in the division, in that Milton ends, in their numbers, singing stuff like Pay Up Pompey. So for the 90 minutes tomorrow, let's just say, should we be a little bit reserved and um, and, and try and get through this one <laughs> without any issues other than that? But look, we're sympathetic to all the situation. Yes, maybe not towards some of the supporters. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you've got to be respectful of the protests and, and what they're going through. But I think it, it's not black and white. I think, yeah, as I said, we should be respectful and, and sympathetic. But I don't think Reading should expect fans to join in in the protests or, you know, not call them out on their hypocrisy. Because I think that would be, be incorrect, to be honest. I think Pompey fans are well in, the, well in their rights, you know, be on their high horse a little bit. But um, maybe let's just, like, save the waving of the fake money until full time when we hopefully win. Um, let's not do it, like, this 20th minute and then we, we lose. Because that would just be embarrassing. Let's yeah. wait till full time. We'll get our money out fake or not and uh, and then we have a bit of fun because that's the point isn't it Brickle? as we mentioned we, we don't want to see Reading go under we want them to survive from this any single football club if they're going through this we are 110% sympathetic with them but in, in terms of this protest which is supposed to be happening they have asked for Pompey fans to try and join in and, and, and get on board with, of course, because we've been in that situation. And you can understand maybe the, the thinking behind it, but where were the Reading fans when, when we were going through that at Fratton Park? And, and, and again, insert team name here. You know. I think they've probably made the appeal on a bit of a sort of, our oh, Portsmouth have been through the same thing. You know, they'll come and help us out without actually doing a bit of a deep dive to find out that they were probably one of the clubs that, put more of a pressure on us than others do I mean someone posted a link to a Reading fan forum from 2012 and there was a whole 75 page thread saying that Portsmouth should be liquidated um, which in, I actually found out that Reading are pushing a rivalry with Portsmouth um, because we uh, fielded a second string team in our last game of the season against Fulham uh, before the FA Cup final which in toll got Reading relegated so even if them down the road did go um, we have got a, a rival that we mm. didn't know about in Reading Brilliant I didn't know about that either yeah Join us tomorrow on Pompey Live for the uh, the derby Pompey versus Reading it seems uh, Right let's hear from uh, from John Massino now the head coach of course of the Blues We sent Matt Drabble to the training ground earlier in the week where he spoke to the Blues boss ahead of tomorrow's encounter with the Royals but first asked about Tuesday's league meeting with Cambridge I thought we controlled the game for large parts and uh, certainly in the first half in, in terms of uh, uh, our attacking shape and, and the way that we restricted them to um, pretty much nothing, I think, uh, one chance from across uh, in the first half in particular. And we created a few bits ourselves, particularly towards the back end of the half. Uh, and then we came out with, with the same intent in the second half. I think the only, the only criticism I'd have is, is towards the back end of the game, it became slightly more open. We, we lost control slightly of the game. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said after the game, we have to make sure that when we get those opportunities either to cross or to cut inside and, and shoot, uh, we have to make sure that we, we take advantage of those. And it's not necessarily scoring, but it's, it's getting the ball on target, putting them under a bit more pressure. Too many wayward shots, too many that flew over the bar, too many sort of nearly moments when we got in some wide areas. And yeah, that was the only disappointment, I think, from the game and, and ultimately why we ended up drawing it instead of winning it. What can you do as a manager to instil that cutting edge on the training ground? We've, we've had it for most of the season, so it's not a huge concern. There are going to be some nights where it just doesn't happen, and that's fine, that's part of the game. Uh, no problem with that whatsoever. The most important thing, I think, when you, you do have a night when you're not firing is, first of all, to take stock, make sure you're creating enough to, to win the game, which we felt we did, and, and second of all, then making sure you don't lose the game by doing something silly the other end. And, and again, when we, we broke everything down 
uh, yesterday after the game in terms of um, you know what we look at what we look at um, in terms of sort of objective um, metrics to see how we performed. We were really pleased with everything, uh, particularly how we restricted Cambridge and on a tough, tough night. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of sides that go there and, and don't get results. So, of course, we wanted to win the game, but, um, yeah, we, we didn't manage to do that. So to come away with a clean sheet and a point is the next best thing. Expectations were high coming into this season, but has the length of this unbeaten run, the strength of this side, changed your opinion at all of what can be achieved? No, not really. I think we, we sort of internally have always believed in what we can do this season and um, the, the sort of the run that we've, we've been on has, uh, I, I suppose, sort of strengthened our resolve in terms of making sure that we're, we're tough to beat and one of the most pleasing things about it is that obviously prior to Tuesday night we'd won seven games in, um, in a row and, and that put us in a really, really strong lead position and also advanced us in, you know, or nearly advanced us in the, in the EFL Trophy as well. So, um, yeah, we, it's, it's a really interesting one. We're probably... Um, maybe slightly ahead of where we thought we'd be, but um, you know we're not sitting there thinking that we first of all don't deserve it, and we've still got a huge amounts of, of time left in the season, a huge amount of work to do. But uh, so far things have been really positive. With the back line performing so well, is it a case of leaving them to their devices and focusing on the attacking side of your game, or is there still room for growth for development with the with the defensive side of your side as well? Yeah, I think there's always room for growth um, on, on both ends, and and I think if if we want to really, uh, you know, this is a slight cliche, but if we want to break down why we've been so successful defensively, the the number one person that starts with is Colby up top, and uh, his his work rate again on Tuesday night was was it was unbelievable. He hasn't um, he obviously hasn't managed to put the ball in the back of the net, but he sets the tone with his pressing, um, with his athleticism, with the way that he harries defenders, with the physicality that he has up against the back two, and yeah, trust me, as a centre half, that makes your job a lot easier if you can get pressure on the ball higher up the pitch it means your your job as a centre-back or your job as a full-back is a lot easier than it could be um, we don't have to defend a huge amount at the moment which is a, is a really good sign and that I think is is a consequence of the fact that we are really the, the forward players and the midfielders who are doing their job so um, yeah there's there's a collective um, I guess a collective focus on making sure that we continue that and it's not just about the back four and the goalkeeper and on the other side of it when we when we score goals a lot of it is collective as well it's because we've created it because we passed the ball well out from the back it's because we've got the ball wide and the full backs have crossed it or the midfielders have created for the forwards so um, there's nothing that you can ever achieve in isolation in football I think uh, you'll get a very very um, odd occasional goal where one player just does everything apart from that you know it is a team sport and everybody contributes. People love to make comparisons in football and Colby Bishop has, has rightfully received a lot of praise. Is there anyone that you liken him to that you've perhaps worked with or coached before or, or even just watched at any level of football? No, I, I haven't, haven't worked or, or played with anyone um, quite as effective as, as Colby. And he's unique, I think, in terms of what he brings to the, brings to the side. You, you, you very um, seldom get a target man um, that is so physical and so physically dominant um, and can lead the lines as well as he does, but also scores goals. And that's probably, you know, you know, one of uh, one of the things that really stands out for for me with Colby at the moment, um, he gets on with his job. He, he gets um, some real harsh treatment sometimes from centre halves and referees, but he gets on with it and he ends up scoring goals as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, it's off the top of my head. I think uh, I think you know he is he is unique certainly in the league, and um, you know I don't want to start comparing him to any centre forwards at the at the top level quite yet because um, uh, you know I'm sure there'll be some some strange headlines if we do so. Uh, I think yeah the most uh, the most important thing is for for Colby to just to recognise his own strengths and keep um, building on those. Reading this weekend, an awful lot of noise going on around that club at the moment. How much attention do you pay that as a manager, and how much is it full focus on the pitch? 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much uh, sort of maybe 1% looking at what's actually going to transpire on the day, just in case we have to be aware of anything that, that does happen, and preparing for the eventualities of, of what might we might face in and amongst the, fir- you know, the first 45 minutes in particular. So we're not going to be naive and, and pretend that nothing's going on whatsoever, but also um, the other 99% is fully focused on the, um, what's going to actually happen on the pitch, and that's the most important thing for us. And, and all the noise around it is, is just noise. I think it's, it's interesting for, for everyone else, but the players have got to be completely focused on you know, what they need to achieve on the day. Um, and that's, yeah, to go and put in a good performance and, and hopefully take all three points. And what sort of game do you anticipate on the pitch? I think it's going to be a good game of football. Reading are a side that have obviously had the points deduction, but I think their points deductions probably, um, you know, not just affected their league position in terms of where they are, but but also made it difficult for them to really get any momentum going in the season because they're actually a half decent side and um, they've recruited pretty well. If you if you look at the likes of someone like Sam Smith, who would have been one of the most coveted signatures at the back end of the season for this level, uh, he's gone back and signed there. You know, Harley Dean's got a huge amount of championship experience. David Button, the goalkeeper. Uh, so there's there's plenty in and amongst the in and amongst the side you know Lewis Wing who um, you know we all know about from this level and the level above so there's there's, there's a really good mix of I think experience and youth in the team they've got um, a coach who was coaching in the Premier League last season and they they clearly um, can can play and, and can create so we've got to make sure that we're on top of that and um, yeah I think it'll be a good game of football. Head coach John Massino there speaking to Matt Drabble yesterday afternoon's preview. Tomorrow's visit to Reading in League One, Pompey's next league encounter, of course, at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Match day number 15. Can the Blues keep up their unbeaten start to the campaign? And, uh, well, they will remain top of the table because they've got a four-point buffer on Oxford United in second. More on that game after the break. And uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend's action, not only for the men, but for Pompey women as well. We'll catch below down on the Royals um, for tomorrow's match. And we'll also wrap up the conversation with the pre-match thoughts and score predictions of our two guests here on the show this evening. That's all to come when tonight's episode of the Football Hour reaches its conclusion next. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, or just enjoying late night bus rides, From 7pm every day, you can take advantage of a Knight Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your Knight Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South for just £2.50. The world is your oyster. Visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Good evening, welcome along for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM. Brought to you in association with Stagecoach Across the South. Head on over to stagecoachbus.com to find out more information on the services they provide in your area. Just under 10 minutes to remain on the show this evening for you tuning in to get your final thoughts and predictions into the panel. If you don't know them by now, here's how you can get in touch. 81400, the number you need to send your text to. Start those with the word express. Otherwise, email sport at expressfm.com. Use at expressfm on Twitter or visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Before seven, we'll take a look ahead to the Pompey women's next game, but first on to tomorrow's League One fixture for Portsmouth men. After Tuesday's night's goalless draw away at Cambridge, John Massino takes his side to the Select Car Leasing Stadium tomorrow to meet up with Reading, who have lost each of their last five games in League One. With us now to provide an insight into the Royals is Kirsty Roxanne. It's 25 unbeaten now for the Blues, who are held to a goalless draw away at Cambridge on Tuesday night. Next up, John Massino takes a side to select Car Leasing Stadium, where struggling Reading await. 
Pompey Live, this week's opposition. The Royals are experiencing issues aplenty both on and off the pitch at the moment. Manager. Spanish football manager Ruben Sales is at the helm for the Royals. He played for the local side Coretta CF before finishing his formation with Rajosit CF. At the age of 16, he was already coaching the youth sides of Parata. In 2002, he entered the University of Valencia and became a coach for the club's football team. He led the club to promotion in their first senior season. In 2022, Sellers joined Premier League clubs of Hampton as an assistant. After the second of Ralph Hazanuu, he was placed in caretaker charge of the club. He took charge of Hampton until the appointment of new manager Nathan Jones. After Jones was sacked at the beginning of 2023, Sellers took charge again. His first game in charge was a 1-0 away victory over Chelsea. He managed the side until the end of the 2022-23 season. July 2023, Reading announced an agreement with Sellers to become their new first team manager. His first professional game in charge was a 1-0 defeat to Peterborough, which was followed by a 4-0 victory against Millwall in the EFL Cup. One to watch. Our one to watch this time around is number 11, Femi Aziz. Aziz originally signed to the Royals Academy in 2019. After going out on loan to Bracknell Town, Reading announced the signing of the winger striker on a one-year contract in 2020. A year later, in 2021, Reading announced that Aziz had signed another one-year contract for the club. He scored his first goal for Reading and his first professional goal in a 2-1 win against Preston North End in August 2021. Aziz is entering his sixth season with the club, making a total of 36 appearances and scoring two goals across his time when the club was in the championship. Top scorer. Dominic Ballard is the current top goal scorer for the Royals. The Southampton Loney started a professional career playing for Southampton under 23s. He made his senior debut for the club and scored his first goal for the first team in a 3-0 win at Cambridge United in the EFL Cup. Ballard then went on to make his Premier League debut in a 3-1 defeat to Brighton. After relegation to the Championship in 2023, Ballard signed a two-year contract extension until 2026. Ballard has three goals to his name, scoring a brace in a 9-0 victory against Exeter City in the EFL Trophy and scored his first league goal for the club in a 3-1 defeat to Northampton Town. The forward wears the number nine shirt. Current form. Reading currently sits 23rd in the League One table on six points after being relegated from the Championship. One point ahead of Cheltenham, who remain bottom. The Royals didn't have a strong start to their first season back in League One. Already being deducted six points due to breaking EFL financial rules, they also lost their first two games. Since then, they have been victorious three times, drawn once and been defeated ten times, with their four most recent games all ending in defeat. Who will come out on top in this one? Can the Blues maintain that unbeaten start to the season? All of the admissible action on Pompey Live. Kirsty Roxanne there, thank you very much for the closer look into tomorrow's opposition Reading at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Um, with us to uh, go through the final thoughts and score predictions for the next few moments or so, Brooks Medley and Jack Hancock. Um, Jack, we were speaking about the break in, in the break about changes potentially for the Blues this weekend. When it comes to going forward, um, of course, Joe Morrell likely to be a mainstay in midfield. Who, who do you think should maybe partner him and, and then just in front of those two midfielders in that sort of number 10 role for me it's oh put me on the spot I'd go obviously Will Norris and goal I'd go back four of let's be controversial controversial I'll go for Raftit right back Paul Shocknessy Swanson at left back uh, Stevenson and Morelli midfield three behind the striker of left to right camera as you know no, White uh, Robertson Lane and then Bishop up top I wouldn't mind camera or Pat, Paddy I think you could make a justifiable case for rotating either of them out. Um, but yeah, if, for me, it has to be a double pivot of Stevenson and Morrell. Mm. Um, 
you know, I think that gives us a way better level of control and they're both really good footballers. Of course, Gavin White, if he is uh, returning to fitness, we know he's been ill for the last couple of games, but we expected him back on Tuesday, so hopefully we'll be back for tomorrow's trip to Reading. Um, on to Christian Sadie, not named in Jack's starting eleven there, Brooke. He's, he's sort of played every other game over the last few weeks with Tino Anderson coming in as well. Do you think that he's... Is he, is he sharp enough to be able to handle a full game, Christian Sadie, or do you think he, he makes more of an impact as a sub and you know maybe a cameo in the last 20, 30 minutes of games? We're, we're very fortunate that within our number 10 position or whatever you whatever number you want to call it nowadays we've got two players that will be able to give you a good 45 each whether it be Tino starting or Christian starting um, personally for me I think Tino would be the better option for tomorrow and then having Sadie you know passion merchant for the last 30 minutes um, but yeah we, we've, we're very fortunate that we're now having to choose what player is good enough for most of our positions now. Yeah. A text here from uh, there's no name on this one. Good evening, gents. Looking forward to seeing how the Reading game pans out on Saturday. Hopefully, hopefully the Blues can get back on the goal trail, start another winning run, and get the goal difference higher. Reading are in a bad run of form, and I think Pompey can capitalise on this. Sometimes they find it hard to break other teams down near the bottom of the league, but I think it will be strong for the Royals. And I'm going for a Colby Bishop hat trick and another header for Kodoshok Nessie for a 4 0 away win. Optimistic, but why not? Thank you very much to whoever sent that in. Uh, the Pompey women, of course, in action as well this weekend. The Blues, of course, taking on Reading tomorrow afternoon. The Pompey women travel to NK Dons for the first meeting with the side um, in the sp- of two meetings in the space of just seven days. This is going to take place at the Fairfield Sports Hub. Tickets available to buy on the Turnstars, £5 for adults, £3 for under-17s. That is a League Cup fixture before MK Dons travel back down to Pompey at Wesley Park the following Sunday for a league fixture. So the Pompey women away at MK Dons at the Fairfield Sports Hub Sunday afternoon from 2 o'clock. Right, score prediction time, please, very quickly. Brooke, Pompey at Reading. Uh, 6-0 Pompey. Lovely. Jack, what do you reckon? Uh, 12, no. Um, let's go for a 3-1 because Don Ballard is absolutely scoring in this one. Lovely stuff. Brooke, Jack, thank you very much. I'm going to go for a 2-1. Pompey Live back from two. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. Portsmouth may have been held away at Cambridge on Tuesday night but extend their lead at the top of League One to four points. A Portsmouth winning run has come to an end. They've been held 0-0 by Cambridge United. Next up, a trip away to Reading awaits the Blues. Join us for all of the unmissable action Saturday from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Yep, that's right. Pompey Live returns tomorrow afternoon. Myself, Jake Smith, alongside Robbie James and Matt Drabble at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Match day number 15 for Pompey's 2023-24 League One campaign, taking on the Royals. But Football Hour returns Monday evening from 6 to go through all of the action at the Select Car Leasing Stadium tomorrow. And there's no midweek game to preview, so it will just be fully on the events of tomorrow's match. So fingers crossed the Blues can get over the line with another three points. Thank you very much to everyone who tuned in to tonight's show. A big cheers to Stagecoach across the South for supporting another season of the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM. But our biggest thanks tonight go to my two studio guests, first and foremost, Brooke Smedley. Thank you very much for coming in this evening. Thank you very much, Jake. And Jack Hancock alongside us. Jack, keep up the great work. Thank you very much for your appearance tonight. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's a pleasure as always. Right. 
Coming up here on Express FM tonight then, school days with Steve Randall follows the news at seven. He's live for until nine o'clock tonight, which is when Simon Licarinos returns with Hip Shaker through until 11pm. Tomorrow morning, Ian McGuinness wakes you up with Saturday breakfast from eight for Lily Park, brings you great songs, guilty pleasures, a tiny quiz and the latest on the roads, news and sport as well between 11 and 2. Pompey Live back from 2 o'clock. Thank you very much everyone for tuning in. Until next time, Blues fans, have a great weekend. Stay safe and play at Pompey. Good night.